I've been held by the Savior. Well, I fell far from above. Well, I've been down to the river, and I ain't the same. A prodigal returns. All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. And I been washed by the blood I'm no stranger to prison Well I've worn shackles and chains But I've been freed and forgiven Oh and I ain't going back no, I'll never be the same. So That just breaks a man Breaks him down to his knees Lord, I've been broken more than a time or two Yes, Lord And he picked me up Show me what it means to be a man So my hope is in Thank God that yesterday's gone All my sins are forgiven I've been washed by the Good morning, everyone. We're so excited that you're here. You've chosen a fantastic day to hang out with us here at Springwell. Why? Because we're going to be celebrating baptism. 
whether you're brand new to church or you've been around for years, we understand that baptism can seem a little confusing. So we want to make it as simple as we possibly can. Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward decision. Today, we're going to be celebrating with people who have decided to make Jesus Christ the priority in their life. Their, their lives have been changed by the good news that He came to die for them, rose again, so that they can have a brand new life. So today, you're going to see people going underwater. That's a symbol that we have died to our old ways of living, our old desires, and that when we are raised out of the water, we're made a new creation. Now we desire the things that God desires and that He has changed us and made us something new. Now you may have noticed that I used the word celebrate a couple of times, and it's because that's what we do here when it comes to baptism. You're going to hear us shout, you're going to hear us clap our hands, we're going to be singing, and we're going to have a great time. Why? Because we know that heaven celebrates every time someone chooses to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So you have really chosen a fantastic day to be here with us today at Springwell. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Let's get ready to celebrate. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Can we all stand together? We're going to sing and worship. Well, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will put you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Praise to glorify. 
sing, I believe it. I believe it. I have seen it. My God is over all. I believe it. I have seen it. My God is over all. Oh, and I believe it. I have seen it. My God. we thank you we thank you that it's not in doubt that no matter what life threw our way this week we thank you that you're over it all God we, we may not understand it we may not get it but that's okay because we know you and we know you get it this morning, thank you for being a God that's over all. Thank you for being a God that we gladly stand under and worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat just for a few moments. Everybody feeling good? Good. Uh, we're about to enter into giving or enter into a time of worship through giving. If you're a, if you're a guest with us this morning or maybe this is your first or your second time, Maybe somebody invited you here. Um, don't feel like this is like a high-pressure moment. That's not what this is about. As a matter of fact, uh, don't, don't even worry about giving. This is our gift to you, and uh, your gift to us is that you would be with us. Um, if you're a regular with us this morning as we get ready to give, you know, you can give at the kiosk um, in the lobby. 
you can give online at springwa.org or you can give the, uh, the good old-fashioned way by writing a check and putting it in a bucket, right? And that, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? No, I'm just kidding. Now, however you give, thank you for giving, thank you for worshiping, and thank you for being at Springwell. There's a bucket if you're on the left side of the road under your chair. You can pass that to the right, and an usher will get it on the other side. Elaine Freeman, did you make any New Year's resolutions this year? I did. I made a New Year's resolution to be more active in the gym since I had my knee knees done. I needed to be there. Now, here's the, here's the bigger question. Okay. Did you keep it? I have kept it. I went to the gym until I had my second knee done, but now it's, I'm through with therapy and it's time to get back in the gym. And what made you keep your resolution? Being able to walk. <laughs> did you make any New Year's resolutions? Yes, I did. Did you keep it? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> All right, Coop. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? No. Okay, Linda. Uh, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Um, yeah, I guess I did. To get closer to God. So did you keep that New Year's resolution? Yes. What did you do to keep it? I continue to stay in my bottle daily. I do my devotional. I actually um, journal every day to God. So what's a prayer? Did you make any New Year's resolutions? I did not, no. All right, Logan, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Um, just to be closer to God, try to do that and be consistent with my devotion time and, you know, things like that. So did you keep that resolution? For the most part, yes. There's been times where I've been slack, but I kind of reeled myself back in, and I've done the best that I could but to keep it consistent. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? No. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? No, I didn't. I don't ever make resolutions on New Year's. And so why don't, why don't you make resolutions? There have been too many times that I made them and then I couldn't carry through with it. All right, Mr. John Crenshaw, did you make any New Year's resolutions? Well, absolutely. Of course I made a New Year's resolution. Did you keep those New Year's resolutions? Of course I didn't. 
I'm like anybody else. I had good intentions, but I just uh, wasn't strong enough. Good morning. So, it's kind of weird talking about New Year's resolutions in August, right? A little bit strange. How many of you would say that you made a New Year's resolution? It's been so long ago you forgot whether you made one or not, right? How many of you would say that if you made them, you actually kept them? Wow, that's sad. That's just that's just sad. Here's the thing, man. Starting is easy, right? Starting is easy. Finishing, not so much. The road to change. And that's what we're going to see where he's talking about, how to make some changes in our lives. But the road to change is filled with potholes. Sometimes it's, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Who are we kidding? Sometimes it's two steps forward, three steps back, right? Sometimes you lose ground. You don't gain any ground at all. It's hard. It's difficult. Maintaining momentum is, uh, is hard. The alcoholic goes back to drinking. The overeater goes back to overeating. Can anybody give a witness? Hey. Uh, the workaholic fills up his schedule again. It's difficult. Starting is easy. Finishing is not easy. It's, it's hard. And that's why a lot of people never really keep their momentum. They lose momentum as they go. They start off maybe good the first day or the first week or the first couple of weeks, but sooner or later it's just hard changing everything about your, your life, you know, the way you do things, the way you get up, the way you move through your day, the way you come home in the afternoon and you said I was going to go to the gym. And it sounded good until you actually had to go to the gym. And then it was hard. It was difficult. So uh, holding momentum is, is, is tough. What about hurts? Have you ever thought that you were over a hurt, that you were over a pain? Everything is going good, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day, and, and, and the hurt is back. You don't know where it really came from. You're not sure how it happened. Was it a dream I had? Was it something that somebody said to me the day before? It's just easy at that point to slip back into some old habits and some old hurts and some old hang-ups. So why is it so hard? Let me give you three reasons. Let me give you three reasons why it's so hard. Number one, it's hard because it's easy to get complacent. It's just easy to get complacent, right? Hey, you know, I'm doing good. I'm good. Everything's good, really. I'm doing really, really good. You know, I don't think that I need any, any, any help anymore because the thing that I did that kind of get me over my pain, actually, I think the pain's gone. Let me tell you what I learned in the very first step study that I took. In the very step, first step study I took, I was minding my own business. We're about middle ways through a particular study when God really, really spoke to me. And he asked me this question. I thought it was weird because we weren't talking about healing. And he said, Scott, what's healing? And I kind of looked. I thought <laughs> it, was a very small, it was a very small step study group. There were like four of us, and it took us a year and a half to get through it. The sickest people in the church were in that particular step study. Anyway, so we're in the step study, and I said, I don't healing. I don't I don't know, Lord, I've never really thought about healing in that context before. And so I kind of thought about it for a few minutes, and then I give him this answer. I said, well, Lord, I, I tell you, it would be the absence of pain, right? You know, I used to hurt. I don't hurt anymore, so therefore I'm healed. I had, a, I had a broke arm. I had a broke leg. They put it in a cask. I went through the healing process. They took the cast off, and now I, I'm good. I don't hurt anymore. And you know what God said to me? He said, you're wrong. I went, okay, big boy, well, what's healing then? 
He said, really, here's the thing. You're just numb. The absence of pain does not mean that you've actually healed at all. It just means that you're numb. So you stop doing what you used to do that was leading to the healthy change in your life. You just stop. Everything's good. You kind of get complacent. I'm not hurting anymore. It's kind of like taking an antibiotic. Hello? Y'all look at me really weird right now. Uh, I'm probably the only one. But you ever went to the doctor, you had whatever, they put you on an antibiotic, and, they, and, the, and the, the instruction says take it for the full seven days? Come on, after about three days, you're thinking, I'm good. And if you're really kind of cheap, frugal, actually is a better word, like me, then you would think, now, I'm three days, I'm really, really good. So what I could do is, like, keep, just put the other, put it up in the cabinet, keep it. If, you know, if I get to feeling bad again, I've got some medicine. I don't have to go back to the doctor again. And suddenly after about three days, about the fourth day, you relapse. Because it's said to take it for the full seven days. Change is the very same way. We get complacent when we start to feel better. Sometimes it's just numbness. It's hard to maintain momentum because you can get arrogant. You can get kind of arrogant. You start thinking, I, mean, I just needed somebody to kind of get me over the hump. You know? I mean, I just, you know, it was tough. I, but now I think I can handle this on my own. I'm good now. I mean, I needed some help. I was a mess before, you know. And, and I mean, I was so much of a mess that I, really, I kind of threw up on people that were around me. And I told them my junk. There was that one person, that, a couple of people. But now I'm good. And so you look at your friends and say, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. No, I'm good. I got this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Try this one on for size. Either stay humble or you will stumble. That's good right there, isn't it? You want to write that down. The man who gets too big for his britches will eventually get exposed in the end. You know, you can't go anywhere and get this kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? That's good. It's hard to maintain your momentum because we can get complacent, a little bit arrogant, and then you start to, you start to compromise. It's so easy to do. You're getting a little bit too big for your britches, right? And so here's the thing. You think that you can kind of go back to the place of temptation because you're strong now. You can handle it now. And so you return to that risky situation that really got you in trouble in the first place. But you're so proud of yourself, right? And so maybe for the alcoholic, you think, I ain't going to go back to the bar. I'm good. I've got strong. Man, it's been six months. <laughs> for some, it's been six days. I'm strong. Man, I'm good. Maybe you look at your friends and say, I ain't, we'll go to the bar. I'll drink Coke. That's like, that's like me saying I'm going to the buffet and I'm only going to get one plate full. You know? I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? Once you're there, the temptation will be more than, than, you can, than you can deal with. And so you find yourself because of compromise right back in the same situation again. For others of you, it might be the mall. Let's just be honest. It used to be the mall. Now it's online shopping. It's uh, the home shopping network. I don't even know what you call it. What do you call it? Y'all aren't shopping on whatever that thing is. So anyway, right? And I know people literally that sit home all day long, and they turn into that particular channel, and, and everything they're selling that day is going to set them free in the name of Jesus. And so they buy, and they buy, and they buy, and they buy. You think you're strong. I can watch it. I'm good. I can go to the mall. I'm good. No, you're not. If you're an overeater, maybe it's the clock. 
I'm good. I, I'm tough. I can go to the clock and get a salad. Right. I can, get, I can go to the clock and drink water. Are you kidding me? Sweet tea will like just, it will come get you, right? It, I mean, it's, you can smell it when you walk through the door. It's like a crack addict, you know. You walk through the door. Oh, and French fries, that nasty, greasy foods got you. You start compromising. Maybe for you, it was you allowed yourself to slip back into what we talked about last week, that stinking thinking. There was a time in your life when you knew that you could not entertain certain thoughts. There were times in your life when you realized that, you know what, every time I dwell on this situation, every time I think about my past, when I begin to dwell on my past, then sooner or later I go back to that period and, and now I realize that I'm filled with hate again. I just want to get even again. There's resentment and all that comes back and you were so proud. You thought, I'm good. I'm good. I can handle those situations. I couldn't handle them before, but I'm, I'm strong now. I can do it. So it's hard because of complacency, arrogance, and compromise. Now I want to talk to you about why we fall back. Let me give you three reasons why we fall back. If I've learned anything from my own recovery, from my own struggles with making change in my own life, I'm telling you what I've learned, that we'll fall back when we revert to our own willpower. Man, let me take you to a sweet verse. It's a sweet passage. I've used this I don't know how many times over the years. Galatians chapter 3. This is, this is that letter where Paul is like angry like, through the whole letter. So here he starts off in, in, in chapter 3, verse 1. He says this. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And that word bewitched in the Greek is a word that means to hypnotize. Who, who hypnotized you? Who hung something in front of you and lured you in to their way of thinking? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I want to know just one stinking thing. It's kind of like what it means in the Greek. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? And if you're brand new to church, what does that mean? Like works of the law. Well, you have to understand, in the Jewish context, that would have meant the law. That would have meant the Old Testament law. That would have meant specifically the top ten, right? The Ten Commandments. And so they believed that the way that you, that you were righteous before God was to be pure and to obey the laws. And the Jews, I really believe with good intentions, came up with another 600 plus laws to help them keep the ten. Are you with me? Sounds like what man does when we get a hold of something. We complicate it and then drag things out, right? And so they had all of these laws. He said, so are you being made right with God by the law, works of the law, or, or by believing what you heard? What does that mean? Paul came in and said, you know what, here's the thing, the Messiah came. I mean, I knew, we've been praying, I mean, for like for, for thousands of years, we've been looking toward the coming of the Messiah. He came. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And he went to the cross, and on the cross, let me tell you what he did. He paid the penalty for all of our sin for all time. That's what he did. I mean, like, we don't have to offer a lamb as a sacrificial lamb anymore. We don't have to do that for the atonement of sins. The lamb of God died one time on the cross. And he was resurrected on the third day. So he says, now which was it? How were, you, how were you made right with God? How did, you, how did you find your salvation? Was it by the law and performance? Or was it by what you heard? All the story, the story of Jesus, the gospel, the grace and the mercy of God. He said, are you so foolish? Remember he starts all of you foolish Galatians? Then he says, are you so foolish? 
after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? I've seen so many unchurched people. When I say unchurched people, I, I'm going to change that term. I'm going to come up with something new. I don't like it really. But I've seen so many people that didn't have a clue to what it meant to follow Jesus. And they start off so good and they're so humble and they go, man, I, I'm nothing. I mean, my life, I am a wretched sinner. Nobody deserves heaven. Nobody deserves the love of God. I, I mean, I, me, I'm the worst of the worst. But then suddenly something changes over a period of time. It's kind of weird. You begin to think, you know what, I'm in a Bible study twice a week. Like, I can quote 100 verses of Scripture. I mean, just ask me. Go ahead. I can quote them right now. I mean, I know the Word. I know the Word because I'm in the Word. I don't smoke, drink, cuss, or chew. And if you're a Baptist, that's pretty much the qualifications for, you know, self-righteousness and knowing that you're pure before God, right? All the Baptists laugh. The rest of you going, what? I don't even understand. So we start thinking, you know what, I'm powerless to change on my own. There's nothing that I can do. I've tried to be better, do better, get better on my own, and it didn't work, and we're humble in the beginning. And then suddenly we give our lives to Jesus, and we start doing the right things, but somehow we start to get puffed up with pride. We think it's all about how much we know and how good we are and the things that we used to do and don't do anymore. After a while, we start saying, I'm a super Christian. I got this. I'm good. And the thing is, God will actually let you do it in your own strength. He'll just let you do it in your own strength until you realize that you can't do it on your own. Zechariah chapter 4, here's what it says. And he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He said, not, not by your not by your might nor your power, but it's by my spirit. Your victories in life are not accomplished through your strength, through your willpower, for your ability to accomplish. It's not based on your brains, your intellect. It's me. I think we also tend to lose momentum when we get in a hurry. Um, how many of you went on a diet, maybe the first year, maybe that was your New Year's resolution, and you said, I'm going to lose 15 pounds first week? Anybody? Okay, how about 10? I'm going to lose 10 pounds first week. None of you were even that bold. Five pounds. How many said five pounds? Like, I'm going to lose five pounds the first week. I'm not going to eat all week long, you know? I mean, I'll die of starvation, but I'm going to lose that weight. And then how many of you come to the end of the week, that first week, and you got on the scales, and then you look down, and you know what, you had not lost anything? Or maybe a pound. Or maybe two, but somehow you missed your goal, and you lose momentum. And you say, well, what's the sacrifice? Was it worth it? There are a lot of us that are trying to make changes in our lives with things that we've been struggling with for years. Some of us, when we begin to really start to become self-aware, when we begin to do that kind of work, when we're hanging out with God and saying, God, speak to me, change me, tell me what needs to be changed in my life. And sometimes a lot of us will trace it all the way back to our childhood. For me, for example, I, one, of, one of my things I struggle with is the fear of abandonment. And then I go back to my father died when I, was, when I was 10 years old. My dad died, and he left me. All of my feelings of abandonment go all the way back to there. 
So the thing of it is, is when you have those struggles that start so far back, don't think that you're going to have a quick fix and be fixed overnight. We get in too big of a hurry. God wants to do an incredible work, and it's going to take time as we walk and learn to love him more and learn how to receive his love for us. Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good. Right at the proper time? God can work a miracle. Do not misunderstand me. God can walk into your life and zap you with whatever it is that you're struggling with, and you can be healed. But more times than not, my experience has been, because he is about relationship, is that he wants to walk with us over a period of time to bring about healing. He says at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I think we also tend to lose momentum when we try to recover alone. Some of you may be thinking, I didn't you talk about this last week? Yep. Some of you thought, we didn't. I, you talked about this the week before? Yep. And I'm not going to talk about it next week because we're done with the series after this. We think, I don't need anybody else's help. You know what? More times than not, my experience has been with people, it ain't none of nobody's business what my junk is. Trying to recover on your own is like driving a car down a curvy road at 55 miles an hour with your hands off the wheel. You may not wreck immediately, but you will eventually. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I used it this last week. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down who has no one to help them up. The great theologian Bill, Winter, Bill Withers said it best when he said, We all need to lean on. I just might have a problem. I should have been a worship leader. You're not going to make it in this life if you don't have those kinds of relationships. And just so you know, I have those kinds of relationships. I do have a sponsor. Yes, I have a sponsor. The pastor, oh my gosh, he has a sponsor? Yep. And if I got one, I think you should have one. I've got people in my life. I have accountability people in my life. I have people that can ask me the hard questions. And on those days when I'm starting to struggle and when I'm able to talk to those people and to open up myself, and, to, and sometimes, most of the time for me, it's to reveal that stinking thinking that I'm going through. They can call me on it right on the spot and say, wait a minute, you're going down that road again. I'm just telling you that you won't be able to maintain your momentum on your own. So get in a growth group. What are you waiting on? Well, how is the growth group going to fix my problems? I'll tell you how it will fix your problems. You'll begin to build relationships with other people. Will you connect with everybody in the group? Probably not. But hopefully you'll begin to build a relationship with maybe another couple, maybe another person, maybe a couple of other people, that you'll begin to build a relationship of trust so that you can share your junk. And God usually has a very unique way of pairing us up with other people who've either just battled what we've battled and won people that are merciful and gracious and can show us the love of God, His love as we listen to them, as we look into their eyes and we see mercy and we see grace, and yet people that will hold us accountable. Get in a growth group. 
If you don't want to do a growth group, show up Thursday night for Celebrate Recovery. Hello. Be here. We'll feed you for free. You can't beat that. You can tell we're Baptist. Free meal. Are you kidding? Right? They should get all the Baptist in. Six o'clock, we'll feed you. Seven o'clock, we'll give you a quality worship service. The same musicians that are on this stage will be the same musicians that will be next door at Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night. You know why? Because we think our people deserve the best that we can give them. Then we'll put you in a little breakout group. You can hang out with some other folks that are struggling with the same kind of things you are. And then we'll give you some, like, cake and coffee after that. Overeater's probably not the best thing. I'm just kidding. So we've talked about why maintaining is so hard and some things that can hinder or even stop our momentum. I need to talk about what we can do to maintain our momentum. This is going to be easy. Two things. First thing we can do is this, is a self-evaluation. Talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Remember? Lamentations chapter 3, let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Let us examine our ways. According to the experts, I didn't talk about this a few weeks ago. According to the experts, there are at least four areas that you need to examine. Four areas that you need to examine. The first area is the physical. The body, I've learned over the years that our bodies are actually, it's like a barometer. It's a warning light that something is wrong. And so periodically what you need to do is just kind of stop, maybe in the middle of your day, and maybe just ask yourself some questions. What, what, right now, what's my body telling me? Are you tired all the time? So if you wake up in the morning and you're tired, and you look back and you think, well, you know what, it really can't be that I haven't had enough rest. I mean, really, it can't. Over the last few days, I've been to bed on time. I've been getting up on time. I've been getting eight, nine hours of sleep every night. But when I wake up in the morning, I'm still tired. Your body is telling you something. You need to listen to it. <clears throat> am I hungry all the time? Well, of course I am. Are you hungry all the time? Are you hungry after you've just eaten a big meal? Like you just walked out of Pizza Inn, you're, you're so bloated, you can't hardly stand yourself, right? I mean, you had to let your belt out two, two notches. I mean, you're just, and somebody says, hey, you want some ice cream? And you go, that would be great. And you think, and somebody can, has anybody ever looked at you and said, how in the world can any one human being hold so much food? How can you be hungry after the meal you just ate? Listen, here's, listen this, this is more serious than you might think. What are we trying to satisfy? And our bodies are telling us something. You're trying to fulfill an emptiness, a void. You're, there's a sadness. When I was a kid, man, if we had a bad day, let's go get something to eat. If it was a good day, at the end of a really good day, we celebrated with going to get something to eat. It took me a few years to learn that food, I mean, I, my life revolved around food. What pain are you trying to cover up? Are your muscles tense? Do you have headaches? How about your back? How's your back doing? Have you found that recently, you know, you, you're just having a lot of trouble with your back? What's your body saying to you? The second area is the emotional. Guys, we probably, this is going to be the area that we're going to struggle with the most. Can I just be honest? I mean, I didn't know I was depressed until a lady told me one time, you're depressed. I went, gee. Now that you mention it, I think I am. I didn't know. So you have to ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Am I allowing my feelings to surface? Or when it comes to the emotions, do I just keep pushing the emotions down? 
pushing your feelings down is uh, kind of like shaking up a Coke bottle with the cap screwed on tight. And you just keep shaking it up, shaking it up, shaking it up, shaking it up. Eventually, the cap's going to come off the top. I tell you what our feelings are. Our feelings are like a, like a pressure cooker. We're like human pressure cookers. And so maybe you take a pressure cooker, you fill it up with water, you screw the cap on, and you put it on the stove, and you just put it on low. You don't have to put it on high. Eventually, if it's left there long enough, that sucker will explode. For some of us, we don't want to deal with our emotions. So we just keep pushing them down and pushing them down and pushing them down. So you need to ask yourself, am I angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm, literally, I've had people in counseling, no, I'm not angry. Whoa. Man, I'd hate to catch you on an angry day then. This is not anger. Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you holding on to a resentment? All good Christians say no. Are you holding on to Are you resentful right now? No. I've forgiven them in Jesus' name. But they were wrong. Have I told you what they did to me? And then they'll give you a, what, two-hour case history? Am I holding on to resentment? Am I anxious? Am I fearful? Another one, guys, that I think it's really, really hard for us to admit that I am actually, I'm fearful. I'm a big boy. Ah, don't push me. And yet there's things that we cannot whip. Situations that we can't overcome. So we're fearful. Am I numb? I mean, really, how long has it been since I felt anything? Because when I'm numb, I don't experience the pain of life, but neither do I experience the joys of life. So as you just kind of to evaluate even the emotional, when's the last time I really just felt something deep down inside? So I need to check the physical, the emotional. I need to check the relational. I love this verse. Romans chapter 12, it says this, If... If it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Does it mean that you can be at peace with all men? No. But it means there's a process. Have you had the hard conversations? Have you sat down with the people that there's been awed against? Have you been able to sit down and say, man, this hurt me. I, did I hurt you? Have you sat down to have the hard conversations? Does it mean that if you have the hard conversations that necessarily you'll walk away with a peaceful relationship? No, it doesn't. But when you stand before the Lord, can he say, did you do what I required for you to do? Did you go to somebody that you were, that you were struggling in in a relationship? Yes, I did. I had the conversations. We never got anywhere. You'll be amazed at the number of those conversations that the people that you'll go to will say, wow, man, I wish you'd come to me a long time ago. I didn't know. So I need to check my physical, my emotional, my relational, and then my spiritual. How do you check your spiritual? Let me ask you this. Moment by moment, day by day, are you walking with Jesus? Moment by moment, day by day, with every situation that you face, do you find yourself in a conversation with Jesus? Or do, honestly, you only think about Jesus when you come to church on Sunday morning, you know? But that's about it. And then, and then when Monday comes, you're just back off doing, you know, whatever it is that you do, and you never really think about God being a part of your life. You've got to check your spiritual moment by moment. Are you relying on God? 
I said this last week, I'm going to say it again this week because this is where I fail more times than not. In your self-evaluation, don't just look at the bad fruit that's spoiled. Look at the good fruit. Man, with me, all I'll do will be look at my failures. That's what I'll do. And I'll come up with five things I should have done. Five ways I should have. I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. And I'll be more negative on myself. Listen, it's important to go back and to celebrate the victories. The second thing that you can do if you want to maintain your momentum. Oh, man, this is so easy. I got to have a consistent time alone with God. Call it whatever you want to. A lot of Christians call it a quiet time. Where you just get before the Lord and you just want to hang out with God. Why would you want to do that? Because God is your greatest fan. That's why. You want to be with him. You, listen, you want to feel his love. You want, to, you want to be able to listen to God whisper in your ear and tell you that he loves you. He's crazy about you. And all he wants is the very best for you. Slow down long enough to hear from him. Busyness stifles changing growth. So you need to slow down. And you need to listen to God. Tell you that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. How do I do that? Get into God's word. That's the first thing I do. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, some people read the law of the Lord and they go, ah, the law. Ugh. It's beautiful. God says, listen, I want you to be close to me. Lean in. Let's walk together. I want to instruct you, and he'll do it through his word. Who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in, in season, and whose leaf has not withered. Whatever they do prospers. So I'm reading the Bible, and then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray. I love this verse. Man, this, this verse, I think actually I was, a, I was a Greek minor. I know I'm weird. I was a psychology major, and I was a Greek minor. When I was in college. And I think this was one of those verses that, that for the first time I just kind of you know broke it down into Greek to see what it said. He says, watch and pray. And literally, this is this is in a present tense. And what he's saying is, keep watching and praying. This is this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's looking at his disciples, and he says, Boys, y'all got to watch and pray. You got to continue to watch and pray, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is eager. He's willing. The, the Greek word means eager. Man, he is your, he's your cheerleader. He wants, he's eager to give you power. But the flesh, the flesh is, is weak. I think a better translation is, is sickly. What does prayer do? Prayer releases the supernatural power of God to do in you what you cannot do for yourself. And you can pray about anything. You got a financial need? You got a physical need, a relational need, a spiritual need, an emotional need? Take any need that you have and bring it before your Heavenly Father. Say, God, here's the bottom line. I cannot do this on my own. He'll say, Yep, I've been trying to tell you that for a while. He'll say, Just let me, just let me. Give me your life. So let me ask you. Follower of Jesus, 
How has God been speaking to you through this uh, whole series, actually? What's he been saying? Maybe you've been complacent. Maybe you've been arrogant. Maybe you started to compromise. Maybe coming to church is tough. It's like every week that you come, I'm speaking on your deal, you know? You go, did you know? No. God did. Maybe you've been trying to do this in your own strength. Maybe you've been too big of a hurry and you haven't allowed God time to work in your life. Maybe you've just been too proud. Maybe you've been doing life on your own and you thought that you were big enough to handle the, the struggles of this life on your own. You cannot. Maybe you desperately need community. How's God been speaking to you? The question is, what are you going to do about it? See, I think a message should bring a challenge. And to say, what are you going to do from here? Are you going to join a growth group? Or are you just going to sit back and be complacent? Are you going to show up on Thursday night and say, you know what? I am one of those people. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I need some other people that can walk along beside me to help me. Are you going to be humble? Or are you going to be arrogant? What are you going to do? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you say, man, I'm there. I am so willing right now to just admit I can't do this on my own. I've tried. i tried to be better, do better, get better, and I'm just failing. You don't have to do it on your own. Jesus is absolutely crazy about you, and what he longs for is a relationship with you. A relationship. He knows you're never going to be perfect. He says, but give me your life. I'll take you. I'll take your sin. How would you feel if you were at, on your wedding day, you're standing at the altar. You got this picture in your head. You stand at the altar. You're looking into the eyes of your soon-to-be spouse. What if you knew right then and there, you knew without any shadow of a doubt that they would cheat on you? What if you knew that not, not like just an affair or two, what if you knew that they would cheat on you all day, every day? How many of you would still stand there at the altar with that person that you knew would be unfaithful to you every single day of your marriage? How many of you would still say yes? Most of us would run, wouldn't we? We'd say, man, I'm out of here. I'm not going to open myself up for this kind of betrayal, this kind of pain. But guess what? When God, when God speaks to us, when, when we come to Him as humble as we know how, when we say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. He goes, I will. And I'm going to pay the price for all of your past sins, all of your present sins, and all of your future sins because you're going to betray me in the future. But my love for you is so great that I'll pay the ultimate price just so that I can be in a relationship with you. That's incredible. How in this world could you possibly say no? So let's say you're not a Christian. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus right now, but you'd like to be, then maybe right now you'd say, Father, forgive me. I believe in you. I'm blown away by you. Your love is incredible. Honestly, I don't understand it. I don't understand how you could possibly love someone like me. But I'm grateful and thankful that you do. So Lord Jesus, right now, I'm telling you that I believe in you. And I believe you're alive, you're not dead. 
And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to be my Savior. So right now, I surrender my life to you. Father, we thank you for your amazing love. It's absolutely incredible. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we're going to have right now to uh, celebrate with folks that have accepted you as their Savior. Now they're willing to go public. They want the whole world to know that you're their Savior. That they've been loved by you and drawn by you. That they've experienced your mercy and your grace and your goodness. Father, I pray that you'll bless them and us as we witness their obedience and faith. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen. And we do a kind of a weird thing here at Springwell. Um, we haven't baptized in the 9 o'clock service in a very long time. Most of the time it's in the 11 o'clock service. And here's what we do. Right before I start to baptize, I always look and say, you know, well, there's some of you that may be here this morning that are Christians. You've accepted Christ. Maybe you prayed the prayer just a few minutes ago and you accepted Christ. But you've never been baptized. Now, baptism, you've already heard Brian talk about it. It's the fact that you believe that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was buried, and that he was raised again. That's what these people sitting in this water are telling you. And you said, you know what, I made that commitment, but I haven't followed through with baptism. Why should I follow through with baptism? It's, it's letting the world know that Jesus is your Savior. So if you're here this morning and you haven't followed through with baptism, but honestly, right now, you'd like to, we're ready for you. We have some folks that will be down front, right here, somewhere, behind me. They're there. As I'm baptizing these two, we got you a change of clothes. We went to the buckle yesterday and bought the lady. I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. But we had some really good uh, Target shorts, and we got some, uh, we got some T-shirts for you. And we're ready for you. So as I baptize these folks, if you're here this morning and you'd like to be baptized, I'll ask you to come. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight Well it was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. And all my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Now your mercy 
freedom is all that I know. The old man knew Jesus when I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. Come on, you guys stand and celebrate with us. Yeah. 